During the last few years, we've ventured into a lot of different fields. And we've had the opportunity to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. And welcome back, everybody, to Started with a Mouse podcast. I'm John. I'm Kathy. And welcome to part two of Disney Channel Movies. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> this man has the giggles tonight because we're recording a little bit later than what we usually do here on uh, Started with a Mouse podcast. It is 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time right now, and we're a little bit tired. You had to stay Eastern Standard Time, didn't you? Yes, I did. For all our West Coast, our <laughs> one West Coast follower. As of right now. <laughs> oh, also want to welcome Jasmine to the group as well, if you are listening. Um, you requested me on Facebook today, and I think you're a Disney lover, so I added you to the group. And thank you very much for liking what was in the group. I appreciate it. So I appreciate it. I'm assuming this is our second West Coast follower. I appreciate it. Um, also, a big shout out to Clatterbuck as well. Another person posted in a different group. Disney group asking for good Disney podcasts and he posted that uh, uh, that we were the best. Oh, so okay. I appreciate that. Oh, I saw that earlier this morning. Yeah. I didn't remember that. Um, uh, just a little bit of big news okay. coming up here between uh, between we've always talked about uh, Derek and Abby. Um, they will be probably coming on the show here soon. Uh, Clutterbuck was able to acquire some microphones and uh, we finally got the soundboard to be able to have guests. Yes, finally. <laughs> so uh, I think that'll be coming up in the upcoming weeks. So you'll be hearing a couple different voices besides me and Kathy's. Yeah, we just have to decide on what the episode is going to be because I don't know that I like yours. I don't know, but we we're I'm we're, we're debating. We're debating. We've got we've got ideas. All right, so we're just going to continue on with um, some of our favorite Disney Channel original movies. I got the theme for Monsters, Inc. stuck in my head because I listened to our podcast um, from yesterday From yesterday, today while I was driving back and I, I've got it stuck in my head. It won't go away. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start off then because my plots are a lot longer than yours, I feel like. Yeah, because you, you have a, movies with like meaning. Mine are like Phantom at the Megaplex. Yeah. Um, so my next one is going to be the movie Double Teamed, and it's strictly because I like basketball and I loved these girls. I remember that movie when it came out. It was pretty good. Um, so here's a little bit of the plot. It says, in 1985, twins Heather and Heidi Berg are forced by their overly pushy father to leave their former school and attend a different school to have better chances at college scholarships. Heidi, however, tended to think that she was athletically inferior to Heather 
and in an attempt to get out of Heather's shadow, she joined in a school play. Heather and Heidi are both attending the school to play volleyball rather than basketball, but the girls' basketball coach notices Heather because of her height. She seizes this opportunity to play basketball to help her train for the coming se volleyball season. Heather meets Nikki Williams, the star of the Palos Verdes High School Sea Kings. Heidi, in the meantime, learns that her father told the coach that both of the girls would play on the basketball team, despite the fact that Heidi had already committed to performing in a school play. Heather and Heidi are both furious over the situation, Heather because she didn't want Heidi on the team and Heidi because she thought Heather put their father up to it. Heidi wanted to be, an, to be independent of Heather and pursue her own interests. When the twins first start playing for the Sea Kings, they leave a bad impression on the team by lying and implying that they are rich like many of their teammates. Heather and Nikki form a serious rivalry, and Nikki even tries to run the Berg twins out of school by telling the school about the Burge's living situation. They both eventually befriend Nikki when they see that her father is too preoccupied with business to attend her basketball games. At their first tournament in New York, they win second, and Heather wins MVP. However, in another game, Heidi is selected to take the game-winning free throws. This makes Heather, the usual star, extremely jealous, so she later plays a late-night one-on-one game with Galen, a senior basketball star who lives in their apartment complex. Doesn't he like? Doesn't she like tear her like knee out or something during that scene? I think, or gets hurt. I don't. Know. I think I remember her getting hurt in that scene. Like he's like Heidi, you're you're doing too much. I don't remember. But that was really well portrayed. Because you sounded like a, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, while playing, Heather falls and severely twists her ankle, which, prevent <laughs> which prevents her from playing their next game. During the next game, while she's sitting out, Heather sees the need for teamwork rather than the need to be the superstar and decides to play again despite her being injured. Her effort is rewarded, and with some clever teamwork, they win the game. After the game, their coach approaches the twins and their parents, Mary and Larry Burge, and tells Mr. and Mrs. Burge, they should consider putting the girls in summer basketball camp, saying they have very bright future. A very bright future. Mr. Burge proudly says that his girls are going to play college ball, but the coach says, maybe more. There's talk of women's pro league. Mr. Burge also apologizes for putting so much pressure on Heather and for forcing Heidi to play basketball in the first place. They forgive him. Mr. Burge says that Heidi has plans for a summer at a drama camp, which pleases her and reveals how important it is to be well-rounded. A clip of the future is then shown, and both Burge twins are playing on professional WNBA teams. Heidi plays for the Los Angeles Sparks, and Heather plays for the Sacramento Monarchs. Heather and Heidi talk before the game, and Heather says, One's second best, always second best. The game begins with a tip-off, and they both jump for the ball. In reality, the sisters' time in the WNBA did not overlap, and they never face each other in a WNBA game. Sad. But Disney made it seem like it, though. I just love that movie because basketball is like my first love. Yeah, see, I see. I I think it's the same way with me. Like with some of the movies I talked about yesterday, uh, they had hockey in it, so obviously those were going to be some of my favorites. And um, you went more with basketball when you were younger, yeah. And uh, so that's why I think you really enjoyed that movie a lot more. Yeah, and I I just I don't really remember much of it. I remember a lot of that one. I think I watched it a lot. But I just, I, I think I did like it most because it was basketball. And that was my love. Okay. <laughs> On to mine, I guess? Yes. Okay. All right. This one you talked about uh, yesterday when we actually signed off a little bit. And this one was on my list. The Ultimate Christmas Present. 
Hmm. Why? Did I take one of yours? No, you told me if I took it that you were going to hurt me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm eating. I haven't eaten dinner yet. We're good. Two teen girls, Samantha, Eliza, uh, Samantha Elizabeth, Sam, Quan, age 13, and Ashley Rachel, um, Haley Irish, find a weather machine at a shack in the woods. After learning of its controls, they make it to they use it to make it snow in Los Angeles. It turns out the weather machine has belonged to Santa Claus, and he informs Mrs. Claus about it. To help Santa Claus, she sends two elves, Crumpet, who is uh, the basketball star John Sally, <coughs> and Crumpet. Sparky, uh, uh, Bill Fagelbaker. Wow, that's a name. <laughs> a weatherman named Edwin Haley tries to figure out what's causing the strange weather and track it down to keep himself from getting fired by his boss. Edwin's boss expects Edwin to get down to the bottom of the sudden snow appearances. When Sparky and Crumpet catch up to Santa Claus, they find a footprint of a type of a girl's shoes that are only made in California. Santa and his elves set off to interrogate each girl on the naughty list that wears those type of shoes. Soon the snowstorm gets so large that it spreads to San Francisco and Allie's dad gets snowed in at the airport and may not make it home in time for Christmas. Allie tries to turn it off, but overnight it turns itself back on and creates a blizzard. There are un they are unable to make it do anything now. Samantha shares sad stories with Allie about how her dad would spend Christmas while Allie is sad about her dad missing Christmas. During the blizzard, Edwin manages to trace the weather phenom to Allie's house. Due to traffic, he manages to borrow a guy's snowmobile. How? Because, you know, they just have snowmobiles in Los Angeles. Right? That's <laughs> what? When Allie and Sam head to the shed to get the flashlights, they encounter Santa, Crumpet, and Sparky, who identify Allie as the next person on the naughty list. While her best friend Sam is a positive overachiever and a good role model in school, they manage to get proof that he's Santa Claus when he tells the girl uh, tells the girl all about them and the weather machine. Edwin arrives at Allie's house and manages to gain entry. Edwin does manage to find the weather machine after Allie's brother found it and betrayed him for messing with it. Upon being cornered in Allie's room by the girls, Santa and the elves, he announces his plans to be the best weatherman in history and feign more publicity on television attempts. During his escape, he sees the guy he borrowed the snowmobile from and crashes into a chocolate making factory where he falls into a chocolate vat. The group follows his trail. I don't remember this scene at all. I don't remember this movie. <laughs> follows his trail. Oh, wait. I kind of maybe remember. The group follows his trail into the chocolate factory and follows Edwin's chocolatey trail. Sparks follows Sparky follows him up into the rafters where he falls into a box of cotton candy. The group then reclaims the weather machine. What? At Santa's shack, he then works to find the problem in the weather machine. With Sam and Allie's help, they manage to fix the weather machine. Forget Santa forgets to put it in the right batteries and stop the weather. Santa then tells Edwin that there is another type of job that deals with weather. Crumpet and Sparky pick up Allie's dad just in time for Christmas morning. Meanwhile, Hadley gets a job in the Antarctica teaching scientists about the weather. Yeah, I don't remember that one at all. I mean, I I don't even know. I saw the picture, 
that you showed me last night and it brought back some nostalgia but then i'm like um yeah no hearing that one i do not remember that at all um <clears throat> now i i really like that one i the number one thing i remember is the weather machine from that movie i don't even remember that honestly i'm looking at my next one and <laughs> i didn't realize i was actually young when this came out i was 12 it was released on July 16th, 2004. Okay. So I was 12 years old. Not even 12 yet. So I was like 11. But I didn't realize it came out this early. Okay. Anyway, you're probably not going to know this one. It's called Stuck in the Suburbs. I've, I have I know of it. You do? Yeah. Did you like it? I don't really remember. Okay. It had a budget of $1 million. That's interesting. For a Disney Channel movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. It says distributor, Disney ABC Domestic Television. So I don't know if it was the... It says original networks did was Disney Channel, but it might have been on ABC as well. <clears throat> anyway. Brittany Ahrens is a regular teenage girl, one of many who has a crush on popular pop singer Jordan Cahill. Yeah, I definitely remember this one. Yeah. Um, however, she is bored of living a suburban existence and pines for excitement. At school, she meets a new girl, Natasha Quan Schwartz, which is Brenda Song from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yeah, she was in the last one too, The Ultimate Christmas Present. Yes, yes. That's when she was really young though. Yeah. Who informs Brittany that she moved to sub- suburbia from several years on and off living in Europe and New York. Brittany's other friends dislike Natasha for her non-conformism, but Brittany pursues a friendship with her. Upon finding out that Jordan is filming a video nearby, Brittany invites Natasha to join her and her fangirl friends to watch the shoot. Jordan, at the video shoot, expresses dislike for the shallow new single wanting to sing his own lyrics, which his, comp- his record company denies him. When Jordan and his team knock into Brittany and Natasha after the shoot, Eddie, who is Jordan's assistant and the best friend and con- confidant, um, and Brittany accidentally pick up one another's phones in the ensuing mess. Brittany tries to return Eddie's phone, but is denied entry at Jordan's hotel. Once they get a hold of Eddie and figure out the phone is Jordan's, they demand to speak with a pop star before they would return it, which Eddie refuses. Natasha convinces Brittany that it would be fun to mess with Jordan and change his image. They prank call his hairstylist to get her to cut all off all of his hair and get a new wardrobe for him. Along with the way... Oh, wait. Along the way, they find that Jordan's life is not the life he chooses, but rather the one that his record company wants for him. At first, he is terrified that his personal barber gave him a major haircut, but eventually accepts it as his first steps towards a break from his manufactured image, enjoying his new wardrobe and look, which he thinks Eddie procured. Eventually, the girls demand Eddie have Jordan perform at a rally hosted by Brittany's mother to save a local landmark, which was previously failing to draw attention. Jordan gets a hold of Brittany after Eddie confesses to the whole situation, and Jordan explains everything to her. She and Natasha make up from a falling out and go meet up with him while being chased by the record company who are tracking his phone. They send his lyrics for one of his songs, More Than Me, to everyone through Britney's phone. I think I remember who was Jordan Cahill in this movie. I really think I remember. It's all starting to come back to me now. It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Anyway. um, Where was I going with that? Um... They send his lyrics for one of his songs, More Than Me, to everyone through Britney's phone, ditch his phone, and get a ride to the rally with Britney's sister. At the rally, Eddie tries to stop Jordan from appearing, but ultimately supports him, and the landmark is preserved. Britney, Natasha, and Britney's fangirl friends become dancers in the music video he was making at the beginning of the movie, which now features Eddie replacing Jordan. 
It is shown that Brittany and Jordan keep in touch, and although he invites her to go to New York with him over the phone, she declines, saying things are really exciting in her suburban town. You remember? I, I really remember now, because I thought this was the guy that Tarim played... Tarim Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know what else what else he played in. Oh, uh, He's done, like, uh, Saturday Night Live, Wild Now, oh, stuff yeah. like that. But, yeah, I definitely remember that one. Um, I You you said Jordan Cahill, and for, like, a second, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I can't picture him. And then, like, it just hit me like a wave when you said they send the lyrics, and I'm like, yeah, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. That song was, like, really good, though. That More Than Me song. I don't know if you remember that one. Disney probably made it, so I would guess it was good. Have you heard some of the songs in the movies? <laughs> okay. What is, what is your? How many more do you have? I have. Uh, this will. I have three. Three more. Yeah, with the one I'm doing right now. Okay, I guess I can maybe choose three more. It's gonna be hard. I might okay. have four. So, this one I want you to take a guess at the title, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sing a certain song. My date with the president's daughter. Oh. My date with the president's daughter. Oh, yeah. My date with, with her. Well, you just gave it away <laughs> before you even let me I guess. I don't even know the chorus or anything else. I don't I think anybody knows. Um, all right. Go ahead. So, go ahead. So, this go is ahead. another, this is another one. <laughs> you dropped the mic, folks, yet again. Go ahead, you can I have continue. I've tested on the new soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is another movie with uh, Will Fred Freddle, which is one of the Lawrence brothers. Duncan Fletcher is an average teenager in search of a, of a date to his school's spring dance. At a mall with friends, he meets a girl named Haley, who happens to be the daughter of the president of the United States, George George Richmond. Duncan, not realizing this, asks her asks her to his school dance. She accepts and gives him her address, and he replies by telling her that he will pick her up at 7 o'clock. That night, Duncan's father declines his request to borrow the company car, a red BMW 525i. Duncan takes the company car anyways and goes to Haley's to pick her up, only to end up at the White House. He does not realize she is the president's daughter at first, believes Haley was playing a joke on him. When he enters, Haley has Duncan meet her father and Duncan is informed that there are limitations on where they can and cannot go and that the Secret Service will be with them the entire time. Though Haley says that she and Duncan are only going to dinner and a movie, she and Duncan sneak away from the Secret Service at the movie theater after sharing a kiss. They go shopping and buy new clothes with Duncan's father's credit card as they encounter many obstacles throughout the night. Both their fathers search for them through throughout the city, resulting in an arrest for a traffic violation when a traffic cop fails to recognize the president. Could you imagine if that would happen today? Like a cop pull over the president? It wouldn't. (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't. Duncan and Haley both manage to return home safely, but are unhappy as they realize after their first kiss how much they liked each other. Though they never make it to the dance, Duncan feels satisfied with the outcome of the date. Though Duncan's father grounds him, after he cooled off for a bit, he is no longer grounded and he begins to spend more time with his son until he learns that Duncan used his father's credit card. What row? Duncan loses the bet and paid off his friends since he didn't bring Haley with him. When President Richmond arrives at Duncan's schools to thank him for Haley's date, he allows Duncan to continue 
continued to see Haley and strikes up a friendship with the Duncan family. As a result, Duncan's reputation at school improves from his status as the boyfriend of the president's daughter, and Duncan's father is promoted at work after his boss is allowed to meet the president and play golf with him. Haley and, yeah, there's a little bit. Haley and Duncan are able to pursue a real relationship and happily go on a second date with the president's approval and the Secret Service SUVs and Marine One accompanying them. Marine One, really? Yeah. Really? We gotta have a boat. Okay. <laughs> Out of everything that you said, My this is what I got. With the president's daughter. <clears throat> How many presidents have there been in real life? That don't have daughters and they only have sons because you always see the daughters in the background. You never see sons. I mean, like George. President Dur- Trump has a couple sons. Yeah, but they're older. Yeah. Okay. Obamas well, were daughters. younger. They were younger. Yeah. And now living both in, in college. Yeah, but they were living in office with him. Yes. And then, George, the only one before that that I can think of is George W. Bush. Yeah, but. He or, was his son. I know. Was, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, but he didn't live in the White House with him. He was a grown adult. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is how many presidents were there that actually had sons that lived in the White House with them? I think JFK was one because he had a son when he was assassinated. Yes. Because he, he had, was super young though. I'm yeah. talking like like middle to high school kids. Because like we're talking I'm about not my date. Sure. We're talking about yeah. my date with the president's daughter. She was in high school when this happened. Yeah. I don't see a lot of presidents with sons that are living with them in the White House that are like in school, like in high school or middle. Uh, well, sorry. I mean, the Obamas were, or the Obama daughters were uh, in high school when they were going through uh, him being the president. You don't understand what I'm saying. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that, they're, that it's so like that could happen. I mean, that scenario. So the first person to, uh, to, um, come up with an answer with that on our Facebook group um, I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll do something okay it has nothing to do with Disney but <laughs> let's go with it alright <laughs> because I talked about the movie about the date I'm, with the president's daughter I'm just I don't know if I'm delirious or what but okay my next one is you know what first person to give Kathy her answer yes will receive a magic candle from the Magic Candle Company. You have to write in to either the Facebook group or send Kathy a message on the Gmail account or, or Instagram. Instagram. Kathy, go ahead and give those tags out for the folks. So home. Facebook is started with a mouse podcast. You just search it. Um, you ask to be invited in if you want. If not, you can find me and John. We're in the group. You message us. Just we'll add you in. Whatever. Um, Instagram is started with a mouse underscore podcast. And Gmail is started with a mouse podcast at gmail.com. And that is one candle. That's all you're getting for this answer. One, one candle. candle. But it'll we be of your choice. You. It'll be your choice. Yes, you can pick the candle. And by the way, we love the Magic Candle Company. They're, this We're is still not, not sponsored. No, not yet. But we would love to be by them. Hint, hint. But uh, we have their candles all over our home. We and need, we need more. to get more. So okay. I'll probably just send, make an order and I'll order yours with it. Okay. So my next one is Cadet Kelly. I remember this one because I remember uh, what was her name? Ren Stevens. Yes. I think her name was Kim. No, her name was Ren. No, no, but her real name was Kim. I'm I'm looking. Nope. Andrea Lewis? No. Christy 
Christy Ro- Ro- Carlson Romano. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Kelly Collins is a free spirited eighth grade girl whose oh mother. Oh my gosh. Who's Have you seen that cute boy in class? Whose mother gets married to Brigadier General Joe Sir Maxwell. When her new stepfather becomes the commandant of a military school, George Washington Military Academy, Kelly and her family move upstate. Kelly has to enroll at the school since it is the only school in the area, leaving behind her art school and her best friend, Amanda. On her first day at military school, she befriends Carla, a girl who has been there for a long time and shows her the ropes. Kelly, at first, has trouble fitting in and obeying the orders of the officers above her, especially Cadet Captain Jennifer Stone, which is Christy Carlson Romano. Gotcha. Who has a crush on Cadet Major Brad Rigby. Sean Ashmore. What did he play in? I don't remember, but anyway. Kelly feels drawn to Brad instantly and competes with Captain Stone for his attention. Captain Stone does not treat Kelly well, verbally abusing her and destroying her personal belongings. After taking a long time to complete the obstacle course, Captain Stone has Kelly take the course again. After getting all dirty from the course and finishing it, Kelly heads to the dance but stumbles and ruins Captain Stone's dress at the dance. Her stepfather talks to Kelly in his office about the incident and what the teachers are saying about her. At home, Kelly is ready to tell her mom about the feeling about her feelings and opinions of the new school. But before she could even start, her mother reveals to her that Kelly is going to have a half-sibling, implying that her mother and stepfather are going to have a baby together. Seeing that her mom needs her support, she vows to help her stepfather learn how to take care of a baby, a child, and make him ready to be a dad. To get back at Captain Stone for destroying one of Kelly's $15,000 blanket, Kelly decides to paint into Stone's hair, my favorite scene, in the middle of the night in the same pattern as a blanket of Kelly's that Stone ruined. I really don't remember this movie as much as I thought I would. You don't? Okay. Oh. <clears throat> the next day, Captain Stone gives Kelly a citation, so she is forced to appear in cadet court. In cadet court, she is found guilty of many infractions. She is sentenced by her stepfather to take care and sh- shine the uniforms of the drill team, which she had earlier in the film, referred to as a team of robots. However, she gradually like, takes a liking to them and decides to tri- try out for the team, seeing that they need some inspiration. With the help of another friend of hers, Gloria, she practices enough and makes the team. After Kelly was following some moves that Captain Stone was practicing, Cadet Major Rigby made the suggestion that they could incorporate the moves into a routine for regionals. Kelly asked Captain Stone if they could work on a routine together for regionals, and Captain Stone agreed to discuss it with her. Kelly's team makes it to the regionals, which will be held at a different school. Kelly's dad surprises her by revealing that he will be working a job nearby and can make it to the regionals to see her perform. The day of the competition, however, he does not show up and Kelly begins to worry. Her stepfather noticed that she is distressed and asks her to explain the situation to him. Kelly tells him that she has received a phone call from her father that was cut off, which she finds strange. She refers to her cell phone as her her and her father's lifeline and says that he would only call if it was an absolute emergency seeing that kelly needs help he excuses her from the competition and goes with her to the location her father said he would be they find him on a cliff as he has fallen down kelly doesn't want to leave him alone so she uses her new training to rappel down the cliffside and stay by her father joe calls for help and a rescue team arrives to bring him and kelly back up After her stepfather hugs her instead of saluting her, Kelly realizes that Joe has become more fatherly. She tells both of her dads that she is proud to be their daughter. Kelly runs back to the competition. Just stop. I'm crying over here. 
Kelly runs back to the competition to find that they are down by five points. The only chance they have of winning is a special routine that Kelly and Stone had been practicing. They perform it and receive excellent marks from the reviewing board. George Washington places second, the best they have ever done. By one point, Stone tells Kelly that if she hadn't joined the team, they never would have made it that far. Kelly, overjoyed to hear Stone praise her for, her, for once, gives her a hug, which she is surprised by, but returns anyway. <clears throat> Kelly vows that they will win next year as long as she and Stone keep practicing their routine, but Stone reveals that she's moving to Europe because her father, who is in the army, has been transferred there. Stone tells Kelly that she'd like for Kelly to one day become a cadet captain and have to deal with a maggot just like her. The drill team then faces Joe, who salutes them for a job well done, and Kelly smiles and salutes him alone, which he returns. I really don't remember that movie. <laughs> oh, that was I remember the, like the the final routine, I think, a little yeah. bit, but I don't, don't remember, remember much of it. You don't remember uh, Christy Carlson or Mono calling her maggot? Yeah, I remember that. I and mean, I remember those are the things that stick Hillary out. Hilary Duff like painting her hair—that was one of the most I iconic don't scenes. That one. I don't know if you said the next one I have. I don't know if you talked about it yesterday, but I'm hoping not. What is it? The Luck of the Irish. No, I didn't talk about the that. The Luck of the Irish, then, laddies. <laughs> this one goes out to you, Mr. Henry. I know you're listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. You told me about it last time when we went and ate our way at the Chinese buffet. That was just last night. Well, you just let me have it, laddie. No. <laughs> My lord, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have three more. Okay, I have one more. Oh crap! Narrow it down. No, I'm not narrowing it down. Narrow it down. No. Actually, I can't even do three. I have four more. Can you add one to your list for me? You? No, that is yours. Okay, well then I have five more. <laughs> I don't even like that movie that much. Okay. Then I'm going to have to talk about five more, so hurry it up. Oh, so part three is now coming out. <laughs> Popular junior high basketball player Kyle Johnson learns that his high school is putting on a special event called Heritage Day, a celebration for everyone of different heritage. He asks his parents, but they are reluctant to tell him that the truth about where his family came from, insisting they were from Cleveland, Ohio. Why the heck would you want to be from that? Boo. It smells like crap as soon as you get near it. They have good food, though. They do have good food and good and good haunted houses. Yes. Over the weekend, Kyle and his best friend Russell Holloway attend an Irish carnival. Afterward, strange things happen. Kyle starts shrinking, his hair turns red, and his ears become pointed. His mother, Kate, starts speaking with an Irish accent and confesses that their family is Irish. Sorry if oh this offends anybody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just stop right there. Just stop. Just stop. That's it. We're ending the podcast right there. Why? I just can't take you seriously. Holy guacamole. She changes her hairstyle, starts making Irish foods, and eventually shrinks to only a foot tall. Okay. His father is an American. I'm offended. from Cleveland. (laughs) I'm offended. Holy guacamole. I can't. At school during science class, Kyle realizes his lucky gold coin was stolen when the fake coin he was wearing stuck to a magnet he was using. It turned out that the gold coin Kyle wore was the O'Reilly Lucky Coin, a magic coin when in possession of the youngest family member allows all the leprechauns in the family to pass a normal to pass as a normal human being. 
You said leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the immature one with the uh, <laughs> accent over here. But since the coin is gone, the family is down on their luck now and reverting to their true forms. At first, his mother believes her 200-year-old father, Riley O'Reilly, stole the coin, and they decide to go to his potato chip factory to get it back. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> Kyle's father explains that this, that his grandfather disowned his mother for marrying a human, and they not only left Cleveland, but also changed their original last name from Smith to Johnson so he would not be able to find them. After Kyle meets his grandfather and explains what happened to the gold coin, he tells Kyle that it was a far daring and evil leprechaun named Seamus McCurton who stole the coin. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about this and I had like 11 movies all together <laughs> and they just keep adding. Stop. I can't. I can't narrow it down any Stop. further. I can't. Kathy. I can't. We can't do part three. We're not going to. I'm just going to hurry up and <sighs> talk really quick like this. The family and Russell find where Seamus and his followers are. Seamus. Like the WWE star Seamus. Sure. While Seamus and his followers are busy, Kyle and Riley sneak into Seamus's RV to get the gold coin back. Upon them finding it, Seamus senses that there is something wrong. As Kyle regains his human form, Riley starts to change back only for a tornado with Seamus's face to manifest and snatch Riley. As Kyle starts to leave, Seamus appears outside, rolling Riley by beard, while his farmers have restrained Russell. Seamus decides it demands that Kyle return the coin, while Kyle stares that the coin is his. Can you please stop? With the help of Russell, Kyle is transported to Ireland to engage Seamus in several traditional competitions such as wrestling and step dance managing to tie in the final score when Seamus uses trick word trick wording to try and win Kyle makes one last bet with him to play a competition of his choosing as a tiebreaker to which Seamus accepts Kyle and Russell find themselves in a basketball game with Seamus and his forces on the opposing team commanding a strong lead thanks to the coin do, 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 do. Kyle and Russell Russell gains confidence and improves when Kyle's grandfather gives him a magic a fake magic lucky coin and tells him it's real giving Kyle the realization he can make his own luck through hard work working together Kyle and Russell catch the score back up and score the game-winning shot despite Seamus growing in power and showing his true form vicious and winning the bet Kyle and Seamus shrink and teleport to live within the shores of Lake Erie <laughs> when Kyle states that his father is from Cleveland. <laughs> Why are you proud of this, Kyle? God! He then wakes up and realizes that he is late for Heritage Day on the day he does an Irish folks dance and leads a crowd in singing This Land is Your Land with his parents and grandfather in the audience proudly joining it. I don't remember that movie at all. Oh, I love that movie. I, I mean, remember every bit of it. I just remember his ears growing. That's all I remember. I'm surprised you didn't like that one more because it had basketball in it. I mean, I, I, I know it. I did like it. I just, it's been so long that it didn't stick with me as much as I thought it did. All right, you ready for mine? So are you ready for mine then? Yes. <laughs> this no. is real. This is me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be now. I'm gonna let the light shine on me. Why are you leaving? 
Oh, he has to get water. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and go with a plot. For those of you who do not know what that is from, it is from We Rock! We Rock! God! Camp Rock. Okay. <coughs> I was obsessed with the Jonas Brothers. That's why John's mad. Anyway, the plot of this movie is... Mitchie Torres is an expiring young musician who hopes to become a professional singer. Mitchie wants to go to a music camp named Camp, camp Rock. Since the family cannot afford the tuition, Mitchie's mother, Connie, arranges to cater food for the camp, thus allowing Mitchie to attend. In return, Mitchie ch must help her mother out in the kitchen. Meanwhile, Shane Gray, a.k.a. Joe Jonas, the spoiled and arrogant lead singer of the popular music trio Con er, Connect Three, has been assigned to be in charge of dance classes for one month at Camp Rock by his bandmates Jason and Nate, and is forced to record a song with a winner of Final Jam. Shane accidentally hears someone singing on the first day and falls in love with the voice, but does not know the identity of the singer. During opening jam, Mitchie learns that many of the campers have notable roots and is embarrassed that she was only able to come to the camp because of her mother's catering service. She convinces Tess Tyler, a girl known for her famous mother and her popularity, that her mother is the president of Hot Tunes TV China. Tess, impressed, invites Mitchie to bunk with her group. Caitlin warns Mitchie that becoming one of Tess's background girls will not be as she expects. When Mitchie overhears Shane's new song, she compliments him. Shane, doubtful that his record label and his fans would accept the song, begins to fall for Mitchie. In the cafeteria, Tess and Caitlin begin to throw spaghetti at each other, and Mitchie gets in the middle of the fight. Brown, the owner of the camp, breaks the fight up, and Tess frames Caitlin for the incident. Brown punishes Caitlin by having her work in the kitchen, and Mitchie, who is worried that Caitlin will learn her secret, does not help her out. When Mitchie accidentally enters the kitchen while Caitlin is working, Caitlin learns about Mitchie's secret. At Pajama Jam, <laughs> Pajama Jam, <laughs> Mitchie supports Caitlin when Tess attempts to upstage her show. Mitchie and Caitlin reconcile. Shane spreads word that he is searching for a girl with a voice. When Tess sees Mitchie and Shane rowing together, she becomes jealous and after finding out about Mitchie's secret, tells the entire camp. Shane thinks that Mitchie deceived him just to use him and Mitchie is forced out of Tess's group. On the eve of Final Jam, Mitchie and Caitlin are framed by Tess for stealing her charm bracelet, and Brown bans them until the end of Final Jam. Final Jam arrives, and everyone is ready for the performances. Peggy and Ella confront Tess and leave her group. Ella perfor performs with Baron and Sander in Hasta la Vista. After that, Tess performs two stars and realizes her mom is attending. However, she stumbles when her mom has to step out for a call. During the song, Mitchie and Caitlin realize they can perform and run to the stage. Before the final song, Peggy performs Here I Am and reveals her name is actually Margaret Dupree. As Brown announces the end of Final Jam, the spotlight turns on and he allows Mitchie to perform, saying he knew that they would catch on as their performance was not in the lineup and after the end of Final Jam. Mitchie performs This Is Me, which Shane realizes as the voice and soon joins in. Finally, Connect three members vote and decide that Peggy won the trophy and the song recording. The entire camp sing We Rock. Backstage, Mitchie and Shane reconcile and agree to meet next summer. Oh, Did you never see Camp Rock? Yeah, I watched it. You didn't like it? Mm. Oh my god. I think it was just because I really love the Jonas Brothers. Mm. And that's whenever I was, like, idolizing Demi Lovato mm. because she dated and Joe. before she was nuts. She has a mental illness. Do not call her nuts. Okay, I, that's not what I meant. I meant she's out there. She is out there, but she also has a mental illness, so I feel for yeah. the girl. All right, do you have any more? Yes, I have one more. Okay, go, 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 go. Wow, rushing me? I'm going to take my time. I'm tired. All right, my next one is motocrossed. I do like this one. 
It, it made my runner-ups. Okay. I accidentally wrote, um, threw away my sheet, so I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, because Kathy likes to clean. I do clean a lot. <laughs> the fast-moving Carson family gets ready to take on their next challenge as their elder, eldest son, Andrew, gears up for a motocross race with the hopes of winning a corporate sponsorship. Twin sister, Andrea Carson, finds herself in a bind when her love for motocross racing provokes her overprotective father, Edward, who is averse to the idea of his daughter participating in such... Oh, crap. What? Go ahead. In such things. In such a dangerous sport and prefers that she sticks to girl things. When their parents are out of the house for the day, Andrea and Andrew decide to have a family race on the family track. While racing, Andrew ends up losing control of his bike, causing him to be thrown off and crash into the fence, injuring his knee, which renders him unable to race in the cup. Edward is forced to quit his job, dipping into the family finances to find a replacement rider from Europe. Fueled by by her desire to get back on the track and feeling guilty over her brother's injury, Andrea formulates a, a plan to masquerade as her brother, to which Andrew reluctantly agrees. Andrea is welcomed by unfriendly competition and comes back home with a scrape on her arm, which makes her mother, Geneva, suspicious. After dragging the answer out of the youngest son, Jason, in a whole night to think it over, Geneva secretly agrees to let Andrea race in Andrew's place. The catch, however, is that this all needs to happen behind Edward's back and before he comes home with a replacement rider. Andrea and her mother arrive at a race venue and register under her brother's name, Andy. In spite of her initial confidence, Andrea learns the hard way that competition is fierce and finishes last in her first race. Thinking that Andrea is a guy, competitor Dean Talon takes notice when the lapper garners the attention of several young women, finding it unbelievable that a 125 rider is getting looks. Dean, knowing that Andrew needs help with riding, offers to help the rookie in exchange for advice on his crush, Farron Henderson. Andrea quickly finds herself falling for Dean, who she reluctantly helps win Farron's shallow affection. He, her training also pays off when she places seventh in the, in the following race. Standing on the up and up, she takes third place in the following race, only to be caught by her angry father immediately after when he arrives unexpectedly and orders Geneva and Andrea back home. Edward has now found a replacement rider from France, Renard Carter. His arrogance is immediate and fouls up the room. There is nothing there better when he is offered to stay at the Carson home. He is especially poured and received by Andrea. You sound like Petra from Jane the Virgin. Stop. <laughs> After he tries to hit on her, he treats her brother with disrespect. After some research, Andrea learns that Cartier has gained a bad reputation for his harsh, underhand, and dangerous behavior on the track. But when Andrew brings it to Edward's attention, he says that an aggressive driver is what the family needs at the moment. Andrea finds no further solstice when she finds Cartier taking talking with Art Henderson, a competitor, though she is only given a scouting by Edward when she sees the two of them arguing over it. Back at camp, the Carson family confronts Edward for the way he's treating Andrea. He tries to defend himself, but Geneva and Andrew show him 
how much he's really hurting Andrea by behaving the way he is. Alone in his thought, Edward began to realize how much racing really means to Andrea and the support the rest of the family has given her. He finds Andrea arguing with Cartier and Andrea says that she's the only one trying to help her family and Cartier rudely tells her to back off before shoving her. Edward sees it, runs over to them and shoves Cartier back into, in retaliation. He tells Cartier to leave Andrea alone and calls him a disgrace to both his family and, the Car and Carson Racing. He not only fires Cartier, but he also bans him from Carson Racing. He and Andrea then go for a walk when Edward tells her that he is proud of her bringing Carson Racing to where it is now. Andrea admits her only regret was that instead of Andrew that got injured, it was her. Edward tells her not to think about it, anything else and allows her to do the final race. <sighs> There's a lot to this one. <laughs> On the final race, Andrea and Cartier, now racing under Art Henderson Racing, find themselves fighting fiercely for the finish. When Cartier fumbles on a turn, Andrea takes the victory in first place in the final lap. However, an angry Cartier exposes her during a live interview. Much to the shock of the entire community and Dean's dismay, a heated argument between the Carson family and Art Henderson Racing gets underway about disqualifying Andrea by saying that a girl isn't allowed to compete. Which How rude! How rude! Which, which Deneva argues, saying that she read the rule book and it doesn't mention anywhere about girls not being allowed to race. Henderson then tries to argue that Andrea wasn't registered and Geneva pulls out the registration form showing that Andrea did register under Andy Carson and it is short for Andrea. Barbara Rawlings, the corporate CEO, expresses her inspiration at Andrea's action, much to Henderson and Carter's embarrassment. She is inspired that a woman came out on top in a man's sport and not only allows Andrea to retain her title but also rewards the entire Carson family a full factory sponsorship. Back at home, Geneva surprises the kids with the news that they have the privilege of hiring a 250 rider for the next race. Already having someone in mind, she tells Andrea to interview the new driver. Upon walking outside, Andrea finds Dean and learns that he has signed onto their team and challenges him to a race. If he can win, he can co-represent Carson Racing with Andrea's family. The movie ends with Dean and Andrea racing. That was actually a really good movie. I want to watch that one now. Like, I want to watch it right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Oregon. 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 Okay, before I talk about my next plot, I'm going to have to ask you to do one thing. I'll fall asleep. No, no, no. That's not it. Are you going to ask me what? What is it? Get your, get your head in the game. Got to get you, get you, get you, get your head in the game. <laughs> <laughs> he hates me so much. <laughs> now okay. I'm hungry and I'm eating still. <laughs> this diet's going terribly. <laughs> You're eating healthy foods. It's fine. Um, How is it healthy? I've had a protein bar and 200 calorie snack packs. You could have had an ice cream bar. I could have had a blizzard. Exactly. That's like 600 calories. Boom. Anywho, I'm talking about High School Musical. The original one. I mean, all of the High School Musicals were great, but the original was the best. T is for is for uh, Troy. No, T is for Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> On New Year's Eve, high school juniors Troy Bolton and Gabriella Montez meet at a party. Oh God, oh God, I clicked on something. <laughs> Don't worry, I did that on the last one too. <laughs> meet at a party while both teens are at a ski lodge during winter break. 
At the party, the two are called upon to sing karaoke together, start of something new. They find that they have a connection and decide to exchange numbers before going their separate ways. On the first day back at school after Christmas break, Troy sees Gabriella in his classroom and she explains that she just moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico and transferred to East High, High School over the break. Troy then shows Gabriella around the school. Drama club president Sharpay Evans arrives and assumes that Gabriella is interested in auditioning. Wanting to eliminate, eliminate competition, Sharpay investigates the new girl and has the scholastic decathlon captain and chem club president Taylor McKessie find out about Gabriella's past academic achievements, which results in her and Gabriella becoming great friends. During back to... <laughs> During basketball practice, Troy has trouble focusing because his thoughts are on Gabriella and the idea that he might enjoy singing in addition to basketball. Gabriella and Troy go to the musical auditions where Sharpay and her twin brother Ryan perform What I've Been Looking For, but Troy and Gabriella are both too shy to audition. When Gabriella finally gains the confidence to step forward once the auditions are unofficially over, Troy offers to sing with her, but drama teacher Mrs. I'm sorry, Miss Darbus tells them that they are too late and leaves. Kelsey Nilsson, the musical's composer, trips and drops all of her music over the stage. Troy and Gabriella rush to help her, and they sing together as Kelsey plays the piano. Miss Darbus overhears them and gives them a callback audition. Oh, oh, oh. oh boy. When the callback list <clears throat> is posted, posted, Sharpay discovers that she has competition for the lead in the musical, and the rest of the Wildcats are shocked that Troy has auditioned. Other students confess their own secret passions and talents. Sticks. Oh. Oh, these are the, the songs. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. Alarming Taylor and Troy's best friend, Chad Danforth. Since Gabriella has agreed to join the Scholastic Decathlon team, both Taylor and Chad want their teammates to focus on their upcoming competitions rather than the musical. In the locker room, Troy is tricked by his teammates into saying that Gabriella is not important while she watches them through a video conference that the Scholastic Decathlon team had set up through a hidden webcam in cahoots with the basketballers. Gabriella gets extremely upset by this by his betrayal and decides not to audition for the musical. Troy is left confused as to why Gabriella did not want to audition anymore and is unable to concentrate on the game. Gabriella is also seen to be in low spirits. Realizing their mistake, Chad and the basketball team tell Troy what happened and offer to support him in callbacks. Troy goes to Gabriella's house and they reconcile. After overhearing Gabriella and Troy practicing, Sharpay has Miss Darbus change the callback time to coincide with both the basketball championship and the scholastic decathlon to interfere with Gabriella and Troy's participation. Kelsey overhears the conversation and the basketball team and the decathlon team work together to come up with a plan. On the day of competitions, Taylor and Gabriella use the school's computers to delay the championship game by messing with the power in the gym and causing a chemical reaction that forces an evacuation during the decathlon. Troy and Gabriella rush to the auditorium while Sharpay and Ryan finish performing their car box song. Bop to the top, bop to the top. Take away your inhibitions. Wow, I actually knew that. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> Confident that they're playing. your stuff. Confident that their plan worked. After Gabriella and Troy audition, Ms. Darbus gives the two the lead roles, making Sharpay and Ryan understudies. Both teams win their respective competitions, and the entire school gathers in the gym to celebrate. Chad asks Taylor out, and Sharpay makes peace with Gabriella. In a post-credit scene, Zeke Baylor paces alone in the gym as Sharpay runs in, declaring the cookies she rejected from him earlier genius. She then hugs him and says she will make 
he will make her a creme brulee. Zeke smiles in victory. Do you remember that one? Yeah, wasn't he like a like just like a basketball player, and he like had the huge crush on her? Yeah, and yeah. Like, here's some cookies. Yeah, he was like that burly black yeah. um, basketball player, and he loved to bake. Question: Whatever happened to Ashley Tidsdale? Um. Trying to think of the last thing I saw her in. I think I almost want to say it was Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yeah, because that ended after High School Musical, right? Yeah, because it was Sweet Life of, of Zach and Cody at C. I think she was the in a movie, couple of yeah. No, no, no. They had an entire series. Oh, uh, at they C. did? Yeah, and I think she was in it in that... Uh, oh, crap. I, I know who you're talking about. She's yeah. in that Insatiable show that we yeah, watched. Yeah, Debbie yeah. Ryan. Yeah. That's um, it. She was in that show, and she was young then. So I just, I just wondered if I don't remember. She's older than us, though. I don't know. I know she was in a few movies that weren't Disney movies, but I'm not a hundred percent sure what they were. Okay, on to your next one. Um, actually, I think we're gonna stop there for tonight. And Yay! folks, um, as a little surprise, we will do a third episode for you all tomorrow with um. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, oh boy. I'm just going to finish my last three on this episode, and we have an actual little bit of a surprise for tomorrow as well after this three. Obviously, we're going to run the contest that we talked about onto our next episode, which will be not tomorrow. Next week. Next Sunday. Next Monday. Next whenever Monday, it drops. Whenever it drops. That'll be the contest. If we f- get a winner before then. We'll go ahead and tell everybody on the site, you know, hey, we've got our winner. Yes. So the first person, and I will research this, so don't think you can get one by me, folks. We're going to go with the question is, the first, how many presidents have had sons? In either middle or high school? No, I'm going to say in the White House. In the White House? House? Because if you say that, that's just going to get confusing. Okay. Okay, so how many presidents have had sons in the White House during their presidency. There you go. Perfect. Sounds good. The first person to give me the correct amount <laughs> will, will receive win. a magic candle from the Magic Candle Company. You get to pick your candle and we will send it to you. Yes. Oh. All right. So we're just going to end it there. Um, like I said, we will drop another episode tomorrow as well as a little surprise. And thank you for being so patient with us as we you know, got this new soundboard and learned and everything yeah um but again we are running this contest this was a kind of a last minute decision um give out the the yeah um i don't know i count the potato my god um our email is started with a mouse podcast at gmail.com our Instagram is started with a mouse underscore podcast and the Facebook page is started with a mouse podcast. You can um, enter any of those three ways. any of ways. Um, just message the group uh, through Facebook. Yeah, I believe you can do that. If you can't do that, um, we're Kathy and John. We're the only Kathy's you know and John's. You know what we'll do? We'll post it in the group tomorrow that you can put the answer on the post of this um this podcast coming out. If you put it first on the Facebook group or on the Instagram page, we'll go from there. We'll figure it out. Okay. All right. So um, that's it, I guess, right? Yeah. That sounds good to else? me. All right. So nope. you'll be hearing us tomorrow as well, guys. Thank you. All right. And we just hope to bring a little bit of Disney magic into your everyday life. So tell me, do you want to go? Where it's coming?